There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet PlushCare, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to CMO Moves, the podcast that uncovers the human side of game-changing leaders. Hear their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and how they got to become leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. We hope you enjoy their stories, their advice, and take away some tips and inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. That's the sound of another sale on Shopify. In store. Shopify POS is everything you need to sell in person. From payments to inventory, Shopify unites your sales into one commerce platform. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash retail 23. Shopify.com slash retail 23. Hey everyone, and thanks so much for tuning in to CMO Moves today. Uh, we are joined today by our guest, Miss Vicky Free, who is joining us for all the way from Germany and a uh, uh, recent red eye to Germany, right, Vicky? Um, back for you. Yes. <laughs> so really excited that Vicky made the time to be here on, on today's show. So um, Vicky Free is the head of global marketing for Adidas. Welcome to the show, Vicky. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yes, I had to ask Vicky where where she what her secret was to having so much energy after she told me the past forty eight hours what they've been like for her. So Vicky, why why don't you share share uh, your recent trip? Oh wow! So uh, two red eye flights in the past forty eight hours. But you know it's really funny because your mind and your heart really gets excited about the things you want to do. And this was something I was really excited to have this chat with you. So I, I think I somehow reserved energy because it's something I'm really excited about. Awesome. And Vicki, you said, um, remind me, you went home to North Carolina. Is that right? Yes. So I was in Portland, which is our North American headquarters. I was there last week working with the team and we have World Cup coming to North America in 2026. So we did a kickoff meeting, get that planning going early. And then I'm actually from the East Coast, South Carolina, but we, I flew into Charlotte, spent 45 um, or 48 hours 
uh, hugging and loving on my mama and my family and then was back on a flight last night. Oh, that's so nice. Well, speaking of like getting excited for what the heart wants, I'm sure that made the trip even more worth it. (laughs) It always does. You kind of look at those red eyes and say, oh, I'll be okay. It's not so bad. Yeah, that's awesome. So why why don't we start there, Vicki? I mean, there's so much to unpack with Vicki's career. Um, Just just for our audience, a quick a quick snippet. So Vicki has a fascinating um, background. You know, I, I noticed Vicki, you've had a number of different roles in the marketing capacity, anything from brand to multicultural to entertainment marketing. You've led emerging markets and for different industries, right? McDonald's, uh, you went to media, spent some time with Warner Media, BET, ABC, Novent Health, right? And then before all before joining Adidas. And I, I just can't wait to unpack a little bit about what led you to make those moves moves to change and to wear so many different hats and and how that has impacted your your role today but before that let's talk about you and uh your background like where are you from originally how was your upbringing do you have any brothers and sisters yes yes and yes so (laughs) um, an interesting uh career journey one of my favorite quotes is to live by design and not by default And so I like to believe that the choices I've made have just continued to add tools to my toolbox. I am a lifelong learner and marketing is in my veins. I grew up in South Carolina, had 23 people in my family, immediate and extended, who went to the University of South Carolina. I often will say the USC and Um, Some will think it's (laughs) the West Coast version, but this is the East Coast version. So I'm a Gamecock and my undergraduate degree was in journalism. And the interesting thing about a degree in journalism is it's rooted in the ability to quickly synthesize information, build a narrative and a communication approach that's going to drive attention. And so at the very foundation, there's a lot of similarities and red threads between uh, being a journalist and Mm -hmm. a marketer. And I think one of the differentiators um, for me in my career and that journalism helped helped form was my ability to take ideas and put them on paper. And then they could move from person to person, group to group, and be clear, convincing, and creative. And so I use that in in a lot of my coaching with mentees is an idea is only so good as it lives on paper Mm -hmm. so that you can move it through an organization and through operating models and processes. So yeah, that's so fascinating. I love that comparison to journalism and marketing. Did you start your career thinking you wanted to go down? Like at what point did you switch to marketing? Absolutely did. I thought I was going to be a browner version of Katie Couric. Um, so, <laughs> and I, I absolutely thought I was, I was headed to a news desk and I actually worked for an ABC affiliate W O L O 25. And, um, that was my passion. I, um, was actually working that job as a beat reporter and the head of sales became a mentor. I, I'll call her a mentor today. Um, cause that's the way I would define it, but it was really a mentoring moment. And she just came up to me and said, you know, I've seen the way you sell your stories. I really love the passion you bring to the table. I think you'd be great in marketing and sales. What do you think? And I was really intrigued with the opportunity. And I think that was my first experience to really understand that you join 
brands, but you leave people and mm-hmm. it's the people that make the difference. And it was her that really whet my appetite into marketing and sales and really understand what drives business. And so that that's how my career pivoted from journalism into marketing and sales from a very young age. And, and you kept kind of that closeness, though, to uh, the media and journalism field exactly. with a number of your roles, which, uh, yeah, I'm sure was definitely on purpose. I, you know, if it's any consolation, Vicki, you absolutely have a voice for broadcast. So <laughs> I think you could always have you could always have, pursue a side gig there. So so tell us about, you know, these the you know, I love what you said about the intentionality and how you've been um, every role you've kind of looked at as a way to build up the tools in your tool belt. So how, you know, if you can remember back from the move from McDonald's to, to Warner to BET, how, how did you evaluate those types of opportunities? So I spent eight and a half years at McDonald's and I really do credit that experience as foundational for my role as a marketer. And oddly, I think the most formative part of that experience for me was I spent two months working in the restaurant. I did everything from dropping fries to cleaning the grease fat to walking the lot and picking up garbage to managing the Happy Meal toys that came into the restaurant. And that really formed my interest in how do you operationalize marketing? Mm-hmm. because um, the brand was really the strongest or the weakest at the point of sale at the restaurant. And how are we delivering an experience that was worthy of the brand promise? And it just helps me. It helped me understand that it's wonderful to build great creative and inspirational communications. But if you don't connect it to how it's delivered to the consumer, at that point of truth, at that point of sale, when the consumer decides to pay for your brand, then you're missing something. Mm -hmm. So that was really formative for for me as a marketer. And I I use that today, really understand how we make money. How does the brand show up at the point of truth, whether that's online or offline or with wholesale partners. And it's something I've brought throughout my career and especially here at Adidas So um, so you might ask, why did I leave McDonald's and go into media? In my journey at McDonald's, I led our African-American and our Latino and our Asian-American targeted marketing efforts for a moment. And what I realized is that there are two sides of the equation. There is the well, there's three sides. There's the product offering. There's the storytelling. And then there is the distribution. How do you get those messages to the right audiences? And I got really engaged with our media strategy teams to understand how do you reach these audiences in the right environments through the right programming? And that really piqued my interest in the power of media as a distribution model. And how do you, you know, how do you connect the right storytelling in the right channels to drive the right connection Mm -hmm. to do more than reach, but to truly connect. And, um, I, I, that really piqued my interest in them before I knew it. And it's really interesting because we spent a lot of, uh, we had a lot of investment with, uh, with Warner, uh, TNT, uh, TBS, Cartoon Network and Adult Swim at the time and CNN. And there were great 
um, packages of programming to reach our broad general audiences, as well as our diverse and segmented audiences. And in that process, I became really intrigued with media as a marketing channel and a distribution for great storytelling. And so before you know it, I ended up at, at Turner um, as the vice president of TNT and T TBS. I went over to Cartoon Network and Adult Swim. So mm -hmm. I was I virtually cradled a grave because I also influenced CNN. And then I became the chief marketing officer at BET. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. And, and, you know, after BET, you went on to ABC and then left media, right? Went to Novent Health. I did. And, and now with your role at Adidas, which you are, you made the move to Germany for this role, Vicki, is that right? I did. Okay. I did. So tell us about that. Like, how did that come about um, that opportunity? It tells that story. Crazy times, right? You just never know. I find myself zigging when others are zagging. So was that <laughs> nothing, nothing wrong with that at all. Right. Right. So I was um, at the Walt Disney Company living, living in California. My father had passed away at this point. Um, my mother was, she's 86 now. So what was she? 82 then, 81. And it occurred to me, you know, as we grow up and mature and you start looking at your life holistically, that I had not lived close to my family, big family, 23 nieces and nephews, six siblings. So when we get together, I mean, it's a freaking family reunion, but I had not lived close to home my entire adult life. Um, I left for college and never went back. And that started that balance. I wanted a, a degree of balance, right? So I go decide that I'm going to leave the West Coast and I get a call uh, from a mid-size healthcare institution, regional healthcare player. And interestingly, um, you start to mature and, and you start to get very engaged in your regular doctor visits. And it, I had noticed the, the, con the control that the consumer um, was beginning mm -hmm. to have with healthcare whether it was Amazon getting into health and pharma and wellness to uh, in the US, CVS and other uh, players, primary health care or specialty. So I'd begun to notice that as a consumer, but not deeply. And so I got the call and the location was attractive. It was an hour and a half for my immediate family and an opportunity to sort of reconnect you know, especially with my younger nieces and nephews that I had not been able to sort of maintain that bond with. And so I started to do some research and the commercialization of healthcare and the value of branding in healthcare was rising. And so that was intrigued by that. And this particular organization, Novant Health, um, wanted to really stand up a yeah, best in class marketing organization to invest in a data lake, which was harmonizing all of their data inputs to really drive brand value for the physicians who were part of the Novant Health Care uh, system. And in healthcare, largely consumers are loyal to their physician. Mm -hmm. So if a, if a physician leaves a healthcare network, their customers follow. And so this particular organization was interested in building some brand value that when you see the Novant Health sign, you know what you get, whether it's with a particular physician or a group of physicians, so that we could really minimize the friction um, when a physician decided to go on their own or retire. Um, we wanted to keep that member base whole. 
And so I was intrigued about bringing you know, storytelling and brand led experience and CRM and um, consistent experiences that were undeniably Novant Health to this organization. They were willing to make the investment in people, in back of the house tools. And um, I got excited. So I took the leap, moved to North Carolina, bought a big A house. Um, was about to break ground on a pool, was spending, you know, two to three weekends a month with my family and reconnecting those bonds. And um, yeah, then I got a call from Adidas and I was like, what? I honestly <laughs> thought it was a joke. I, I have to tell you, it actually wasn't a call. It was on, it was on LinkedIn. Right. And I, I mean, I casually checked LinkedIn on this particular day. I had an email and they didn't tell me it was Adidas, but I mm-hmm. could tell from the scope of the spec that it was. And I didn't respond because I thought this is a joke. I'm going to respond. And the next email will say, well, just send us your bank account. <laughs> right. So I, I said, no, I'm not. And so I at the time I told my boyfriend about it. It's about three days later. And he said, but but what if it's real? And I was like, oh. You're right. That is so funny. PSA to everyone who gets those messages on LinkedIn. You never know. (laughs) Yeah, you just never know. So I responded and three and a half, four months later, I was putting my house on the market and we were wheels up for 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 Germany. Oh, Um, my goodness. So did you ever think you'd live abroad? I've always wanted to. It's funny that you asked that because um, I, as I said, you know, I'd moved to North Carolina. It was largely driven by a personal desire to, you know, reconnect with my family and sort of rebalance the work life yep. scenario. And I remember when it's, I, the conversations got a bit more serious and I called my mom and I said, so there's, there's a conversation I'm in the midst of and yada, yada, yada. And I, quite nervous about it. And you know what she says to me, she says, I'm going to pull out something. And she found, you know, my mom keeps everything, a letter I wrote. I don't know how old I was, 10, eight, nine, 10, something where I said that one day I will live abroad. And I want, I had said Paris. And she said, so this has been on your bucket list for a while. And the, the universe is conspiring in your favor. You have to go. And I was like, what? Oh my gosh. Did you, you, you probably forgot about that, right? Of course I'd forgotten about that. Of course I'd forgotten about it. And, but I felt like, you know, if, if my mother 82 at the time or 84, I can't even remember is saying you must go. Uh I was like, I think I got to go. I know. I, I feel you on that. There are certain things where when I have my mother's blessing, it just adds another there's, you know, it's one thing to follow your own gut, but sometimes those who are closest to us can give us that extra reassurance that we're making the right decision. So, wow, Vicki, that is amazing. So different industry, obviously, but I mean, with marketing, it's, it's like, as long as you're laser focused on the consumer and to your point, I see a common thread in all of your roles of really investigating those insights and turning them into what the, you know, the story ultimately that gets, um, that gets out to the consumer. So let, I mean, I can't wait anymore. Tell me like what you're digging into with your team currently at Adidas, like what's top of mind for you guys. You mentioned world cup, what's going on. Gosh, this is such an awesome time to be in this industry. And there's just so much opportunity. I mean, we are a 73-year-old brand with this amazing legacy 
Um, I, I recall uh, when I first started just pouring myself into our origin story. And when you do that, there's just such confidence and such purpose in this brand that's always been part of our DNA. I mean, we were the original, we are the original sports brand and our founder uh, just led with purposeful innovation and really was focused on how do you solve problems? How do we bring purposeful technology to athletes? And Mm -hmm. I was really inspired by that. And I think even today in this complex world that we live in, it is about purposeful innovation. And so sport is at an all-time high. We're heading towards this year's World Cup in Qatar, which we're really excited about. Um, We've got the UEFA Women's Euro next year. We've got basketball, which is a huge sport, global sport, crossing performance, sportswear and culture. It's a, it's a, the, I would say the apex of where sport and lifestyle come to life and merge. And so uh, we've got tennis. I mean, there's just so much happening in the world of sports. And then the unique Adidas attention on this is how do we bring uh, performance, culture, inclusivity, mm-hmm. and sustainability to our offerings across all of the sports that that we that we support. And this this may sound kind of like a tactical question, but I guarantee you there's people listening that are curious about this too. With with a brand like Adidas where like you just mentioned, there are so many different sports happening around the clock, right? Year round, different times. How do you and your team really think about that calendar, right? Every company kind of has their calendar. They know they're going into the year really thinking, okay, we're going to be ebbing and flowing. And this part of the year, we're going to be diving deep here. Like, how does that look for you guys? How do you keep track of it all? Uh, It is an awesome challenge. It's one we all wake up to attack every day. Uh, The wonderful thing about Adidas is that, you know, marketing is the enabler to the strategy. And we have an on the game strategy that very clearly spells out our focus areas. We have six key categories that we are specifically focused on. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I always say strategy is as much about what you are going to do as it is about what you're not going to do. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's that list of wonderful ideas that you're not going to pursue that you need to be explicit about. And so we are guided by performance, sportswear, and lifestyle. And underneath that, we've got football, running, training, outdoor are our key focus areas from the performance side. Sportswear, which is a new entry, we are soft launching this fall and kicking off the entire label launch at the top of 23. And then lifestyle, I'm sure all of you will have seen mm-hmm. our launch with Gucci, the top of the year with Prada. Just yesterday, we teased our launch with Balenciaga. So we've got some really exciting things going on. And underneath all of that, or um, in addition, the innovative partnerships we're, we are making with brands like Allbirds, who is traditionally a competitor, but we have the same objective to deliver 
um, the best product for the athlete that's also good for the planet. Mm -hmm. So um, a lot is going on and the calendar is just a reflection of your strategy. If your strategy is clear, the calendar is a much easier uh, thing to develop. Right. Yeah. That's really your filter. And Vicki, tell, tell me a little bit about um, the teams that you oversee. I'm assuming you're over partnerships as well. So uh, we are in a transformation stage here at Adidas, much like many businesses. Mm-hmm. We, um, we have the beauty of abundance. We have just a ton of great marketers across our organization. And one of the first moves that we've made since I've joined is we recently just folded in all of our business unit marketing teams into one global marketing organization. And so that's a really big move. Prior to, we had a global brand team, and then we had our business unit marketing teams living within, within each of what we call the BUs. So running, outdoor, training, sportswear, originals. But we're now bringing all of these great minds together, and we're building one world-class um, global marketing team at, um, at a headquarter level. And so what that's going to do is really allow us to be brand led and truly focused on where we want to win. Mm-hmm. And so uh, across that, we have strategy, calendar planning. We have brand partners, which, as you may imagine, we have a ton of uh, great sports and cultural partners that help us deliver not only our storytelling, but our story doing. We also have partnerships that we work with our brand strategy team on to ensure that we're delivering the right partners against the right parts of our business. Yeah, I have to imagine. I've always been fascinated with partnerships, but back to your point about kind of that filter and strategy really leading yeah. and making sure, I mean, the the amount of opportunities that you all must get presented with or that the team comes up with, the power of um, saying no to things must be really strong because I'm sure there's just an endless amount of partnerships that Adidas gets presented with on a daily basis. Without question. And it, <laughs> it does come down to focus. Yep key priorities. And not only what can we do, but what can we do well? Right. Yeah. Yep. And I want to reflect on a couple of things. I mean, we're, um, we're almost goodness halfway through 2022, which just, first of all, seems insane, but unbelievable. Uh, in recent months, I feel like Adidas has really, um, I know Adweek has covered um, some of the work that your your marketing organization has put out. Can you, can you talk a little bit about the impossible is nothing campaign? Sure, sure. I'm very excited to speak about Impossible is Nothing. So Impossible is Nothing is part of the brand DNA, right? 20 years ago, we launched this campaign as a marker for where we want to be positioned, what our attitude is, that we see possibilities when others see the impossible, and we see it in sport and culture. We launched or relaunched the campaign a year ago, March, I think, Marches. And then this year, we anniversaried it with a look at women and, and the importance of women to sport and culture and how we celebrate the amazing stories of possibilities with women, uh, leveraging the concept of I'm possible. So it's an exciting time. It, it's really, as a marketer, it, it's rare that you want to go back into the archives mm-hmm. and pull something out and dust it off. But I have to tell you, I'm proud to do it because I think sometimes uh, we chase new for the sake of new. And when you've got a great 
identity that the consumer responded to that is really core to how you operate as an organization, it was a pleasure and an honor to pull that back out, to dust it off and to continue to modernize it as we move forward. I love that. And and do you think that's something that could be a formula or something your team looks at doing with other campaigns as well? I think for a brand like us with 73 years of history, looking at the past, remixing it for the future Mm -hmm. is is part of who we are. I think the consumer expects this of us. We've done it so well over the years, and it's a constantly challenging thing to take what you know and remix it and present it fresh um, and modern. And so uh, it is an approach that we are looking at across our business, um, not to always be looking back, but to right. purposefully look back so that you can pitch forward. Yeah, I love that. I think um, I think that's been one of my most favorite things I've seen um, coming from brands is when when they get the nostalgic piece right, it, it really resonates with people that have been your customer for many, many years. You know, speaking of women and the power of women, can we talk? I'd be remiss if I did not ask you about the bare breast campaign. (laughs) It is the topic du jour. It is the hot topic. Please give me, give me some, I'd love to hear from your perspective, um, anything that, you know, maybe an aha moment or something that came along with creating that campaign. So um, I have to tell you, I think the genesis of the idea was born even before I got here, right? The the head of our training in sportswear BU is a woman, Amy Arana, and she and her team had been working for quite some time on bra and tights, right? Understanding that that's a pain point for women. Mm-hmm. Um, the corporate athlete and the you know the athlete on on the pitch. More than ninety percent of women uh, report that their bras don't fit. I took a red eye last night and let me tell you, I didn't have the right bra on and we know what that feels like, right? I mean, nothing is more relatable, Vicki. Right? And so the team had done the work around understanding this insight and what a properly fitted bra can do to unlock potential, right? Again, for the corporate athlete or the athlete on the pitch. And they also understood that there's such diversity of bodies, shapes, and sizes, and that we don't need to shy away from it. I share that with you because the best marketing is born out of a powerful, sharp insight. And so that insight was there and the team had done the work to develop the most inclusive range of bras. And so that was an awesome launching pad that led the team to this idea of how do we provoke the right conversation How do we bring forth this insight that there are lots of different bodies out there. We celebrate them all and we've got a bra just for you that's custom to fit your body um, and to unlock the possibilities for you. So that was what it was born out of. Well, if you've ever worked on any really provocative and bold campaign, you know that there are moments of, yeah, let's go. And there's moments of, oh my God, should we? (laughs) And so to be honest with you, I I remember when Amy Arana and I sat down with our CEO and he doesn't really get involved in 
you know, in every detail of a marketing campaign, you know, until it goes south. But then there's that. But so we we wanted to make sure he knew and we wanted to launch it internally first because we have 60,000 employees and we know that they will be the biggest brand ambassadors in right. any situation. And so we sat down with him and, and shared the insight and then shared the creative. And he was quite quiet for the first, you know, 15 seconds, which felt like, felt like 15 minutes. <laughs> and then he asked us, do you believe in it? And we both said yes. And he said, well, then go for it. Oh, that's amazing. Could, and you couldn't so, ask for a better response. Yeah. And, but we were nervous. I mean, and, and, you know, you've seen the press, it's still buzzing still yet. It's provoking the right conversation though. And exactly. it's really awesome to see other brands and consumers come to our defense. And so um, it's really nice to see that we actually struck a chord. It's a conversation that we think is worth having and we support our position, which is we aim to serve all the diverse bodies out there so that they can participate in sport and the sport of life as comfortably as possible. Yeah, that's amazing. And I, I have to imagine when you when your team finally set it free into the world, there's like that there's that same moment of. What, you know, what's the reaction going to be, you know, the hours after. So, um, listen, we had a, I mean, we always, our newsrooms are on all the time, yeah. no, you know, no doubt, but we were, we were 24 uh, seven, you know, constantly on tracking, watching responses. How do we respond? You know, where else is it showing up? Yep. Because when you take bold moves like this, it requires you to behave on a daily basis very differently. Right. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. So, you know, that just reminds me of how I, I think in it's very evident in today's world. If you want to do creative and campaigns and work like that, that's purposeful and, and you know, sends a message about your brand, you really have to do bold work. So as a leader, Vicki, is there anything is there anything that you believe in that you employ with your team to really encourage that kind of freedom to come up with these bold ideas and not play it safe? Wow. I mean, you know, I say those words, right. But it's really, um, it's in how you show up every day. I, you know, one of my favorite quotes and it's a Maya Angelou quote, I try to think about this with teams and it's simply, you know, people will forget what you say. They'll forget what you did, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important to support, to push and to be there to protect and guide when things don't go quite the way you want them. Because if you swing for a home run every time, you're gonna, you're gonna strike out sometimes, mm -hmm. but you want to make sure that, that you not only push your team to be bold, but that you stand in front of them and take the, the hit when it's not successful. Yep. Yeah. I think that's spot on. I know, I know we've been talking in the community a lot about um, celebrating failure moments and really just, it's one thing to say that you do, but it's a yeah. lot different when you're in it and you actually feel that your leader has your back. So I think that's super important. What, you know, what, Vicki, we were talking before um, the recording. I know you're super passionate about just teams and being on a team, leading a team. Tell, tell me a little bit about like where that comes from for you and how you, what do you think is the most important thing that leaders can do for teams right now, especially in this very hybrid kind of, uh, you know, different environment that we're all working in? 
So it's easy to say you're a believer in teams, but I think teaming is a behavior. It's active. It's not passive. And teaming is about having conversations based in integrity, relationships based in integrity. I think we have to take time to really get to know each other in this world of Zoom and Teams and WhatsApp and WeChat and all these other technological enablers. I think sometimes the human gets lost. Mm -hmm. And so we have to find out who is that person, you know, who's showing up every day, husband, wife, partner, kids, dog, where are you from? Mm -hmm. You know, you know, what do you believe in? What do you value? Because it, it shows up. And so, you know, I mentioned earlier this transformation journey that we're going on with my team. And there is a desire to jump right to our strategy and our operating model. And I'm all for that. But I'm actually channeling us to pause and get to know each other. So we've been taking some personality tests to understand who's in our tribe. Mm-hmm. And I use that word in the most positive sense. We, we, we need to understand who we are to understand how we work best together. And so um, just pausing to get to know. In fact, we have a really big meeting tomorrow and we've developed player cards. And we're starting with the leadership team and the player cards require you to share a little bit about yourself so that people kind of know who you are beyond your title. Mm-hmm. And there's a funny story. It's funny to me now. It wasn't then that I'll share that. That's really, I think, the bedrock of why, of why I believe this. When I left McDonald's and went into entertainment, I took everything I knew about my success at McDonald's to entertainment. Very different industries, corporate behaviors and policies. McDonald's was an open office climate, but no one ever walked into your office without a meeting. Uh, Turner, everyone had offices and people popped in casually all the time. McDonald's was much more formal. Turner was much more casual. And in six months after the after I joined, the president of the company called me to his office. He was laughing hysterically. His name is Steve Coonan. If he's ever listening to this message, mm-hmm. he's now the president of the Atlanta Hawks. But anyway, he calls me to his office laughing hysterically. And he says, you're either going to get promoted in six months or fired. You've managed to piss off everyone <laughs> in the company. And I was like, what? And I was devastated and shocked. And he says, you got to understand that people want to get to know you. He says, the saying that people do business with people they like is true. I know we hate it, but it's true. And the only way someone can like you is they've got to get to know you. And I told him I was buying a home in a particular part of the city, yada, yada. He says, who else have you told? And I was like, no one. And he said, there's like six other executives within two miles of you who live in that area. They want to know that you're here to stay, that you're on the team. And he says, every day, I want you to walk the floor and just casually invite someone to lunch. These are small things. I've gotten my MBA from Kellogg, but I could not have learned that. I didn't learn that there, which is you got to respect the culture and you got to build allyship if Mm -hmm. you want to make an impact. And uh, in six months, I did get promoted. And some of the people who apparently I had really turned off are now lifelong friends because we got to know each other and we spent time doing that. So Vicki, there's two lessons there that I'm taking away. One is I think that gentleman who, who told you that there's, we all need people like that in our lives, right? Um, Whether they're formal mentors or just people you work with who will shoot it to you straight, whether it's something you want to hear or not, we all need 
honest people. And then the second thing I take away from that is it's never too late to turn around a relationship that you think maybe started off on the wrong foot. Exactly. And I think sometimes we can feel a little bit paralyzed and like, oh, that's done. I got to just move on. But I, I agree. I, I've turned around a couple of relationships that, you know, started off kind of on a weird foot. And I, I think that's a good reminder. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. And, you know, to your point about getting to know people, I have to plug something that kind of fell into our laps here at Adweek on the community team. Do you know a gentleman by the name of Michael Tennant? He's the founder and CEO of Curiosity Lab. He formerly worked for actually for MTV, Vice Media, P&G. Anyway, I've heard the name. Yeah, yes. he um, he created a card game and it's called Actually Curious. And we uh, we got sent a couple decks to play around with uh, during some team building. I'm going to send you the link and we'll probably share it with the community, too. It oh, is I would so, love that. It is yes. so fun. It's literally the most simple thing. It's a deck of cards. There's three different versions. One's like the culture edition. One is something else. And it asks thought provoking questions. And it's really easy to do virtually. And so we've had a couple conversations. Um, with our team where you literally randomly pull a deck from the card and, and ask a question and then pick somebody to answer it and you get to know each other, you know, without the pressure of having to come up with the question yourself. I love um, that. It's really fun. They're great, well-written questions. So yeah, we'll definitely include that because I think that would be a really fun thing for people to do. And I need a new idea. Two truths and a lie are getting really boring at this point. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It only goes so far. Well, that's awesome. I, I really appreciate that. And, um, you know, I want to, I want to segue into talking about just marketing today in general and get your perspective on the CMO role. We talk a lot about, no, no secret to you, Vicki, I'm sure, that the CMO head of marketing role has evolved so, so drastically in the past couple of years and ever-changing, right? And, and we often say in the C-suite, no other role experiences as much change as the CMO and marketing function. What would you say is the biggest shift that you've seen um, as a marketing leader? Wow, I do think you're right. This role is constantly changing and being debated. The value of this role is mm -hmm. constantly being debated. I think the, oh, there's so much I could say here, but I'll say two things. In our desire to leverage data to increase our confidence in what will work and really drive the impact that we're after, I think we, as an industry, as a discipline, are losing our focus on protecting the creative mm -hmm. and finding that balance. I was I was in a conversation recently and I said, there's, there's a difference in being data informed and data inspired. I'm a big believer in being data inspired uh, because data tells you what has already happened. Mm -hmm. There's some predictive ability about what's possible, but it's the insights and the ideas that really tell you what's possible. And so I think that and our, again, our desire to remove risk and improbability, we are losing our focus on the art of the creative. And that's where a lot of innovation lives, innovation and inspiration. And so getting that balance, and I think the balance is in a pivot to being data inspired. Yep. I think that is spot on and not far from what we're hearing from others. In fact, um, we have a couple of CMO symposiums coming up this year. And one of the big topics that has risen to the top is um, the creative CMO and how to continue to, 
foster the creativity and the spirit for CMOs and their teams. Right. And yes. just keep that, keep that alive and make sure people are feeling comfortable taking those risks. Cause that is the heart of marketing. I absolutely um, believe that. And you mentioned earlier, the impact of COVID, I would be remiss if I didn't say that what's happened in COVID is our, the appearance of productivity has gone up, but I'm not sure actual productivity has gone up. And what I mean by that is we are just book solid back to back because it's possible, right? Because you can be in front of a screen for 12 hours, but the best creativity comes when you can sit still and sit in the problem, sit in the challenge, sit with the insights, quietly sit and think, and there's no time for that anymore. Mm -hmm. I could not agree more. And not to mention doing it with other people. Like imagine what we used to do in a room with other people and like not, you know, as far as a creative brainstorm or something. And now those those working sessions are just different. So that I think that is something to definitely keep in mind um, as leaders to make sure we're trying as best we can hybrid to recreate that feeling. It it will never replace it, but got to figure out some tricks. If anybody has any, let us know because happy to share it with the community broadly. Well, Vicki, Thank you so much. I I so appreciate your tips. Real quick on that last point. Is there anything you can advise to the folks listening, you know, future CMOs, current CMOs to best position themselves for this ever-changing role that we keep experiencing? Is there any advice you can offer for those that are listening? I, I think ask and challenge your teams to block time, to critically think about our business, to never forget to be a consumer and to find inspiration marketers need inspiration as well. And then I think virtually we got to figure out how to drop in on meetings, Mm -hmm. you know, don't be on the agenda, don't have to speak, but that's the way that you can really check in on your teams and people to see how they're doing and what some of the day-to-day challenges are. I'm still trying to figure it out, especially for the virtual uh, the, the meetings that I'm in virtually, but, you know, the ability to pop in and check in on folks and we have to check on our people. These are tough times. We're coming out of COVID. People have been, you know, isolated, figuring out how to come back to the office and, and rebuild those relationships. And so we have to make time to, to check on the people. I love that. Great advice. Get to know people, check in on them, keep it human, right? It seems pretty simple. Well, Vicki, thank you so much. And again, I appreciate you making the time. I know it's it's late where you are, so thank you. And I just cannot let you go without our final question, which is if you were not head of marketing for Adidas, what would you be doing? Well, right now I'd be asleep. But <laughs> put aside the two red eyes. I, I, I believe in hugathons. I think that we need to hug more especially young girls. They need to feel safe in a hug, not to be violated, but to understand the power of human touch at a young age. And so I probably um, host hugging camps. Does that exist? Is that a thing? I don't know. It's something that's been on my heart for quite some time. And um, I just think young girls sometimes grow up and they're not touched in a safe way. Yeah. So that when they are touched inappropriately, they don't know how to respond. And I just, I want young girls to be hugged and loved on in a safe and empowering way so that they grow up with with an understanding of what it means to be in a healthy, safe uh, relationship. Yeah. 
That's, that's awesome. I, I remember, I'll never forget um, a keynote speaker that came to speak to a class of mine one time and gave and had like hundreds of kids. And then we all came up and, and gave um, him a hug. He was a paraplegic and he was sharing the power of a, of a hug. And um, just, it was very powerful and a, a great equalizer. Yeah. Well, that's beautiful, Vicki. I'm sure like a girl's camp or like girls, uh, I, I, there's gotta be a program where you can partner with them and, and make your hug camp happen. I, it's, it's on my list, so I'll keep you posted, Heidi. Okay. All right. Well, and also remember, you can always be a podcast host, Vicki, if you want, because you, you and have then that there's voice. That. And then there's that. <laughs> well, Vicki, thank you so much. I hope our paths cross again in the future. You are now part of the Adweek family, officially, officially. And uh, I'm just so happy I got to get to know you better today. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it, Heidi. Okay. Keep up the great work. We'll talk soon. Sounds great. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, we'd love your help in sharing CMO moves with one of your friends or colleagues. And please also be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen. Better yet, leave us a review while you're at it. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. That's the sound of another sale on Shopify. In store. Shopify POS is everything you need to sell in person. From payments to inventory, Shopify unites your sales into one commerce platform. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com retail 23. Shopify.com slash retail 23. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.